Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed, some not so much. I think there is wide acclaim for this one. We are in the holiday season, and I've got some good friends with me tonight joining us for the first time since we did Back to the Future a couple months ago, Corey Burton. And the last time she was on was for The Shining, Gail Maitland. What is up, my friends? Thanks for having me back. Of course. Hi, Dave. Good to be here. All right. Good to have you. All right. Let's do this. Muppets Christmas Carol, 1992. I just looked up before we started. This is our 67th episode of this show. And all but two of the movies that we've covered, I had seen before many times. This is the second one I hadn't seen. And Gail, you're responsible for both of those. Because the other one was... Wait, what was the first? It was Rubber. Oh, I didn't see rubber. <laughs> Classic. Sorry. And I was just, I was thinking about that. I was like, it would be cool to have like a Muppets rub, rubber crossover. <laughs> I the, think so. <laughs> where they're squaring up against Robert, the homicidal tire. <laughs> Robert. Oh gosh. I forgot his name was Robert. <laughs> so I don't know why I hadn't seen this before from the research I had read. It was I was probably in the basic tenet of people who went and saw Home Alone 2 instead, because this was squared up right up against that movie in the holiday season. Didn't make a ton of money. Twelve million dollar budget made 32 million back. So not a box office success, but it has lived on. I've heard about this movie so many times and I just the stars didn't align until we decided to do this podcast together. Um, And I really like this. I I enjoyed this a lot. I think overall, because there's so many adaptations of A Christmas Carol, I think the one that you get to first that gets its hooks in you is kind of where you plant your flag. So for me, that, that was Mickey's Christmas Carol. That was that was the one I got to early. Um, and then live action, I would say probably Scrooged is, is one that like I guess a lot of people love. We're actually co- covering that in a couple of weeks. But even seeing this for the first time a- as an adult, there's like a dash of nostalgia here with the story seeing the Muppets who we, we probably all grew up with. This was just like really good. And Michael Caine, we're definitely going to talk about him. He's like just the perfect Scrooge, I think. Just really great. We're going to talk about him more a little bit. Yeah, so this this was a movie I really liked seeing it for the first time. And Gail, I know you lobbied for this one. Why do you love this movie so much? I don't know why I love this movie so much like it's a really hard question because I didn't see this as a as a kid kid I think I was a little bit older when I first saw this uh, probably mid-teens or so and I'm like you my my first introduction to Dickens in general and A Christmas Carol was Mickey's Christmas Carol the same thing that quick little half hour short where they fit everything into that magically I don't know how Um, but they did a great job with it. And, um, I think that the Muppet version takes, well, it obviously takes more liberties, of course, but it also is more fun to watch than Mickey's. Mickey's is very, you know, Mickey Mouse, you know, the characters, um, and, and you kind of run with, with knowing the characters, because if you didn't really know the characters, the story is the story. Whereas the Muppets, yeah, you have Kermit as Bob Cratchit. Yeah, you have, you know, um, gosh, Miss Piggy as, as, as his wife and the, everybody in between. 
But you also get Gonzo as Charles Dickens telling the story with his sidekick Rizzo. And that's what really ties this together. And it's a super creative take on it. And I think when I was younger, I loved just the meta-ness of it. Because that's also what I really liked about Scrooge was the meta-ness of it. Um, so I think, I think I fell into it. Plus, the Muppets are clever and very funny. And I think watching them as an adult is a way different experience than watching them as a kid. Because going back and revisiting Muppet movies start to finish, it's amazing. They're hilarious. So. Yeah. I love the Muppets, and I love the Muppet Christmas Carol. Corey, why do you love this movie? Yeah, so we're three for three. My first Christmas Carol experience was Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is probably <laughs> my favorite Christmas Carol um, out there. And I've loved the Muppets since the 80s Muppet Babies and Fraggle Rock. But ironically, this was a blind spot. And Dave, you mentioned Home Alone 2 coming out at the same time. It's probably why I didn't see this movie in the same. theater. I didn't see this movie probably in the last like eight years uh, for the very first time and was really mad about what I was missing. Um, but I just love the Muppets and their t their takes on whatever they do, whether it's Treasure Island or going uh. to Manhattan um, and just taking the story and, and adding a twist and adding humor, adding heart, um, adding Michael Caine. Um, it, it just was a, it's a perfect blend. And the more I watch it, I'm like, you know, we talk about perfect movies or close to perfect movies, but for me, this this is this is up there. So you talked about Michael Caine here, 176 IMDb credits. This guy has been working steadily since the mid 50s, which is just insane. And he approached this role completely straight. I have a quote from him that he did in an interview here. He said, "Quote: I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. <laughs> I will never do anything muppety." I'm going to play Scrooge as, as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. So, and he lived up to his word throughout this movie. He, he, was, he was in one movie here and the Muppets were in their own thing and it worked. It worked really well. Um, embarrassingly, the first time that I had seen him in anything was Jaws 4, The Revenge. Ooh. I, I was like <laughs> seven years old when, when that came out. I saw that movie. So this was my first foray into Michael Caine, and I know that just sounds wacky, but I was seven. And also the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where him and yes. Steve Martin play uh, two con men. That was a movie yeah. that I just, I think I just, I don't know why, but I saw that movie many times as a kid. And mm -hmm. I, I love that. We had that on, on VHS. And now people who were born this century probably know him as Alfred in the Christopher Nolan Batman films and every other Christopher Nolan movie. I thought mm -hmm. he, he was great in Hannah and her sisters role for he won an Oscar for that for best supporting actor. And I also thought, you know, not like his greatest role, but when he played Austin Powers, dad and gold member, he was really funny there, too. So just a legend in all aspects. We could talk about his whole filmography. Like I said, 176 IMDb's. We, this could be a six hour podcast and we go into every one. Uh, Gail, any thoughts on Michael Caine? I think Michael Caine was such an interesting choice for this because the thing is is I don't know I don't know who they were looking for when they were looking for Scrooge but I believe when they when they found Michael Caine they all just kind of looked at each other and said we got it because there was no tongue-in-cheek there was no sense of humor from him at all which is crazy because Michael Caine 
is very funny. He can yeah. be very funny. Um, but this was not, he wasn't taking the piss. He wasn't, he wasn't making fun of the Muppets. He wasn't like, ew, I'm in a Muppets movie. It, it was a lot like um, Tim Curry's role in Muppet Treasure Island, where they play it completely straight, where they're both very funny men. But Michael Caine, out of all of the Scrooges I have seen, up to and including the namesake, you know, um, Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine is probably the best Scrooge I have seen on film. And that's shocking that it comes out of a Muppet movie. And you, you, you can see, like, just like his mannerism when he sees Tiny Tim and he starts crying, it's just like, I got choked up like watching him and I'm like, the, yeah, like, it's in Muppets. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on it's in my life? It's right crazy. Now? He's sitting there watching Muppets sing to each other. He is amongst grown men, Frank Oz and, and friends singing while puppeteering yeah. and he's crying. Yeah. Like, what an actor, man. <laughs> Cor <laughs> Corey, any thoughts on Michael Caine? Yeah, I feel like as a kid, I didn't really watch a lot of movies. I knew of him. I just was me and my mom were big in the entertainment news. So I knew he was in movies, but he was in a lot of movies that weren't really directed towards kids. But I knew it was very prestigious. And it wasn't around a time when Goldfin Goldmember came out was like, okay, or even Get Carter. I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah. So like, okay, it's the guy everyone talks about this is really good. And Everything since then has been amazing, but going back and even like Noises Off was a movie I, I fell upon. It's a great movie. Um, but when you're talking about his performance, I I was like, why was he not nominated for an Academy Award? Like he he gave an award, you know, worthy yeah. performance. And I quickly went to see who won that year, and it was Al Pacino for Sin of a Woman. So I'm like, okay, I guess Al Pacino, like that's deserving, but he gave, like you said, he took right. the, he took everything seriously. Um, like the emotion was there, and I was like, "Wow, this is who would have thought in a movie with the Muppets, you're giving a performance that's like probably one of the best that came out in 1992." Definitely, it's true. And just the transformation of Ebenezer Scrooge, you don't see. I mean, okay, Elster Sim was a great actor. I don't know if you're familiar with with that version or the George C. Scott, because who doesn't love George C. Scott? Sure. But the transformation that you get with Michael Caine, you can truly see the hardness in his eyes in the beginning to the tenderness in the end. And he just transforms through the movie with the help of the fucking Muppets. Like, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, girl, I, wanted, I wanted to elaborate on that because watching the movie, even in the opening song when they're singing about him and you don't see his face, it's like all shadows and the angles. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of like, like a horror movie in a way when they're singing about <laughs> yes! him. And to the point where at the end where you see his face, but it's pretty, it's pretty intense. And it sets the tone of like, wow, this guy, we don't really want to be around this guy. He's, he's kind of scary. It's such a good point because not only are they singing about this terrible, horrible, creepy man, he is a looming shadow over all of them. Like that is, that's, that's a really good eye. I didn't even think about the way that that was filmed, but yeah, for sure. And when you see his face for the first time and it's just like, he's stone, he's like deadpan and yeah, he's, that's a great analogy for you. Like it, it's almost like a horror film, the way they just zoom in on him and he looks like for sure. very scary. Let's segue into the Muppets because in doing my research for this, I didn't realize there's so many freaking Muppets movies. I like I was 
a lot of these I hadn't seen. I did see the 2011 film, The Muppets with Amy Adams and Jason Siegel. And I, I remember like enjoying that. It was fine. Muppets Take Manhattan was one that I had seen many times as a kid. I enjoyed that a lot. Embarrassingly, Gail, you mentioned this earlier, but I had no idea that there was a Muppet Treasure Island with Tim Curry as Long John Silver. I was well, you're in for a treat then. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's on the list. It's great. I was 16, so I guess I was like focused on getting my driver's license and other shit at that point than Muppet movies, but I got to <laughs> rec- rectify that now. Um, yeah. I, I was really big on the Muppets adjacent properties like Sesame Street. That was a big staple as a kid. Follow That Bird was a movie I saw yeah. probably yes. a times. So sad. So yeah. good. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at the cast earlier. I was like, John Candy and Chevy Chase were in this movie. I was like, yeah, they were just grabbing a bag and, you know, good for them. But yeah, that was one I, I watched a lot. Fraggle Rock was, we, yeah, I love Fraggle we Rock. mentioned that already. Yeah, yeah. That was on before school in elementary school. That was on at like six in the morning on HBO. And I would be, be like humming the theme on the bus. Like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> that would just be me on the bus every day. So Fra- those were like the two I was big on. There's so much content out there that's been around for so long. And this is kind of like the Muppets are kind of like a fabric of pop culture. Gail, what, what's your relationship with them in, in general? Uh, I, I think it's the same as, as you, Dave. When I was younger, I would watch, and Corey too, I would watch um, Muppet Babies. I would watch Fraggle Rock. Um, I watched Follow That Bird too a lot, and I'm not really sure why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I know it was a downer, but I did watch that a lot. Um, Sesame Street, of course. Um, but I started, I started really watching more of the Muppets um, like the old timey Muppet show um, th- from the seventies, which is dirty and funny and has is so chock full of innuendo. It's such an adult show that I can't believe they got away with it with puppets. Like everybody thinks Avenue Q was the first thing to be dirty with puppets, but that is not true. The Muppets were it. You just had to pay closer attention. Um, but yeah, I think for me, watching the movies, um, you know, I watched it with my parents, like the Muppet movie, the Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, they always loved like the the guest stars and the spots. And I never really thought about that. I was watching the the funny puppets. Yeah. And, you know, as as I get older and I rewatch these movies, which I have done recently, like the Muppet movie, there's these little lines in it that are so very adult. Like Fozzie Bear is up on stage in the Muppet movie. And he's trying his best, doing a terrible stand-up routine as he does. <laughs> and people are booing him and throwing things at him. And you just hear his little voice say, I'm trying my best. And it just <laughs> kills me. It's these little pieces of the Muppets that are so human. And I just, I love them. And I love them more as an adult than I did as a kid. Corey, what's your relationship to the Muppets? Yeah, like I mentioned, um, wh- one of my favorite cartoons of all time is Muppet Babies. Um, and just the fact of, um, how they mix live action stuff into that show. Um, I was a Sesame Street kid, so um, love Sesame Street. Enjoyed Fraggle Rock. Um, like Gail mentioned, Nickelodeon got the rights to the Muppet Show in the early '90s, and that's how I saw saw it. And looking back, of like, yeah, those some jokes that how they get away with showing that on <laughs> on a network. <laughs> Um, and I have a special tie with Jim Henson. And I think, like, as a kid, really enjoyed that stuff. But him and Lucille Ball are two of, like, the first, like, celebrity deaths that I come to mind of someone that I watched on TV that my parents knew. And when they passed, it was a lot of sadness with that. But I remember when Jim Henson passed, it was an unexpected death. 
um, and how the Muppets were like they had the funeral was I think was broadcast. So they had then they had the Muppets come and talk about Jim. And so um, and after that, then we got the Christmas, Christmas Carol and Muppets Tonight and Treasure Island. So like I feel like the 90s, the 80s and 90s was like a, a sweet spot of just nonstop Muppet content that everyone can relate to parents little kids, teenagers, um, but they have been a very profound um, part of my life. Um, I'm showing this on camera, but one of my favorite books is a book by Kermit the Frog um, <laughs> called Before You Leap, and he talks about like different life lessons. And he has some Muppets, and there's probably a ghostwriter, but um, hearing it from his perspective and the Muppets' perspective, there's a, there's a special part in my heart for, for those characters. Yeah, you mentioned the death of Jim Henson. As a kid, there was two pieces of news that I remember like seeing. I was like, I didn't watch the news at like eight years old. But I remember when uh, George George H W Bush announced that we're we're going to war with and we're going to the Iraq War. And I, so I remember that, and I remember the death of Jim Henson. Those are like the two pieces of news I remember as like a, in single digits age. And yeah, that was that was big because I've we were all fans of this stuff and we knew it was like Jim Henson's Muppets, Jim Henson's this, Jim Henson's this, that. And that was a name that you knew he was the guy behind this. And when he died and his son, Brian was the, the director of this movie. And I think he did a very good job of, of carrying on the mantle for his father there. Yeah. Uh, on that note, why don't we take a quick break and we'll start talking about our favorite scenes. All right, we are back. Favorite scenes. The first one I have written down here is the first scene with Scrooge. Uh, we see him going to his office. We see Kermit as Bob Cratchit. There's a guy named Mr. Applegate. is a puppet that he, he wants to talk to Scrooge about his mortgage. And he's very serious. He's talking about his, his wife's illness and how the doctor bills are piling up. And as he's talking, Scrooge just picks his puppet up and throws, throws, tosses him out the front door. And he's it's, it's not funny, but it kind of is that he's just... I, I got to try to get in Michael Caine's head. Like, how did I get here? He's just, he's <laughs> picking up a puppet and like shot putting it out the door. Uh, the, the rats are, are so funny. Yes. They're, when they're, when they're asking funny. for extra coal and he's like, we're very cold. We don't, our, our pens are frozen. And he's like, he's like, how would the bookkeepers like to be? And then he yells, he's like, unemployed. And then they all have their Hawaiian shirts on. They're like, wow, heat wave. And they're all just, yeah. they start dancing. Uh, we see his nephew, Fred, come in and he does like, you know, the bah humbug, the, the basic Scrooge thing that we've seen time and time again. But he does it very well, I think. Uh, Gail, what do you think of the opening scene here with the intro with the Scrooge? I think the opening is is great. It's classic Dickens opening, but you have the bits of you have the bits of the Muppets in just scattered about like um, even when the rats are yelled at by Scrooge, they're like, it was the frog's idea to ask for more coal <laughs> or when the man is asking for help for his sick wife, he's like, please don't shout at me, sir. And then Scrooge just picks him up and tosses him. And he's like, thank you for not shouting at me. Like <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's, it's well done. And you still get like, you get the somberness and the, you know, gothicness of Dickens, but you get a little bit of fun from the Muppets. And that's a great way to open it. And he says, uh, Kermit, as, as Cratchit, uh, Scrooge says, let's go over the eviction notices for tomorrow. And Kermit's like, well, tomorrow's Christmas. He goes, okay, then you can gift wrap them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Corey, what did you think of the opening scene here with Scrooge? You you mentioned the the rats, and they were my favorite. Because Gail, what you so were talking about, like the adult humor, because they're like our assets are frozen, and I'm like, assets oh, are you frozen. There. Um, <laughs> or, or the fact they were saying they were so cold, and he said unemployed, and all of a sudden they have like these Hawaiian outfits on, like heat wave, and they're dancing. Um, and so I really enjoyed that, and kind of what I said earlier about like Scrooge being scary in the beginning. I think in this scene, it's more of like, oh, he's a jerk. Like he's like, he's intimidating, but he's, he's a, I'm not scared of him. Now I'm like irritated of him. Um, But I thought I like that in the different layers that we see, you know, with him. And there's little signs of like, there could be a heart in there, but he hasn't re- like repressed. Um, But no, I really enjoyed it. Set the stage for a lot of the characters with Kermit with Scrooge, um, even with Gonzo and Rizzo. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what's the scene you like? I actually really like the opening opening, like the very beginning where we're kind of getting introduced to the characters, where we get the Scrooge song, where Gonzo comes in and he's like, I'm Charles Dickens. And Rizzo's just like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> just flat out, no, you're not. And then he starts it. He's He starts the whole movie with the first line from A Christmas Carol, which is the Marley's Marley's but instead of like you know Bob Marley but not Bob Mar- it wasn't Bob it wasn't Bob Marley that wasn't his name <laughs> Jacob Good Lord yep that's him um <laughs> but yeah he said the Marley's were dead to begin with and Riz was like wow that's spooky like it, it was <laughs> such a fun setup to let you know that we're about to tell you a story and here we go. And then they start singing about Scrooge and it's a very catchy song. The songs in this movie are so good. Yeah. Like better than they have any right to be. Um, but they're, this is a very catchy, spooky little movie where they're just talking about how horrible Scrooge is. It's a very like, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. But exactly. Yeah. For Scrooge. Right. <laughs> Corey, what's the scene you like? Um, I like a scene. It's a small scene, but later when we see, um, Scrooge as a kid, and he's with Sam the Eagle, um, and, and, and learning about business. And the quote that the quote, the scene I like is he's he's like, "You'll love business. It's the American way." And then they do, and they cut it off. He's like, "It's the British way." And, so, <laughs> and I like the fact that Sam the Eagle is patriotic in everything that he does. He had to catch so, himself just to do that there and be like. Actually, wrong country. Let's go. Let's, let's take it back. <laughs> I enjoyed that moment a lot. Uh, another scene I liked here. It was when Scrooge is with the Ghost of Christmas Present, and he sees Fred at Christmas, and they're playing the game Yes or No. This was just like well, it's funny because they're, they're like Yes or No. It's an unwanted creature, but it's not a rat, a rat, a leech, or a cockroach. <laughs> and someone's it's Ebenezer Scrooge, and everyone mm-hmm. gets so happy, and we just see him in the background. <laughs> that was one of the scenes where you know see Michael Caine tear up. I was, I was like, and that was you know, and I'm getting choked up too. And the, the, I'm like, why am I getting choked up in a Muppets movie? But <laughs> so weird. That's what makes it so good. Uh, another one, you know, the classic Christmas Carol. We've seen this in all the movies. The the Cratchit House, where we see we see the Tiny Tim. This is where we see oh. Miss Miss Peggy as Miss Cratchit. Um, you know. Sc- sc- uh, Cratchit, Kermit the Frog, he raises a toast to, to Scrooge, as, qu- quotes him as the, the founder of the feast, and Miss Piggy objects. She'd like to give him a piece of his mind so he can choke on it. Uh, Scrooge is crying. When, <laughs> Scrooge starts crying again when Tiny Tim starts singing. Uh, the ghost tells him that he's going to die soon, and you know that 
all the lore from from Christmas Carol and you know I've never seen a bad adaptation of, of the Cratchit family I think in like in every Scrooge movie and this this was up there for me uh Gail what would you think of the Cratchits or that scene uh that scene that's such a sad scene but there but there are still little pieces of fun in it where um I'm gonna go deep deep into um the dark web about Gonzo's fetishes right now and here's why because they talk about people are so obsessed with Gonzo loving birds chickens and not only that, but like big, like fat birds. He loves himself a BBW bird. And so good for you, though. <laughs> super happy. Um, <laughs> but during that scene, Rizzo falls down the chimney because he smells the goose. And he's like, he lands on the goose. His feet are, you know, bare. So it's hot. And when he comes back out, he's like, I landed on a flaming hot goose. And Gonzo's like, you get all the fun. Like, <laughs> and so <laughs> to the internet lore, <laughs> they love that scene. <laughs> but I, I really like it too. I, I think it's very tender, very sweet. And I'll, I'll tell you, like Scrooge is right up there for me at the very top of the Cratchit family, like adaptation scene. Yeah. But this for a full on um, just portrayal of the the Cratchit, the, you know, quintessential Cratchit family. I think this is the best one I've seen because how do you not fall for that teeny tiny little puppet frog? Yeah. Let's love him. <laughs> yeah. Every, every version of tiny time you say, it, whether it's like the Mickey Mouse version or, or this, Ugh. it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a very sympathetic character that you, you kind you kind of gravitate to Corey. Any thoughts on the Cratchit, Cratchits in this? Yeah, I, well, I think with Kermit the Frog, there is a sense of, like, the, the underdog. There's a sense of, like, you know, he's such good-natured and, and, and good-hearted. But there's always, like, a sense of, like, sadness with him. Like, if you think about it, it's not, it's not so easy being green. Um, and, and knowing that he, you know, in all the stories we get with Kermit, he's always experienced some challenges. And so you already feel sympathetic for him as Kermit the Frog. And then if you make as Bob Cratchit having that and having, you know, his son who is sick. And so that scene where they're like singing or like scatting down the street um, was really like heartfelt. And, you know, knowing the story of Christmas Carol and knowing, you know, that Tiny Tim is sick and you add that onto the layer of like Kermit the Frog and his character over the two decades we've had with him, it added another layer of emotion that was there. So I was actually dreading the, the um when we get to the point where Tiny Tim passes away because I've watched this movie a few times and I get really emotional um it's there tough. so that yeah. first time was like that happiness that was there I just wanted like enjoy that because I'm like I knew that even though at the end it's all well and good but those moments I was like there's some dread coming and the last thing I want is for Kermit the Frog to be um to be sad and even when they're they're talking and, and they're talking about how he's buried on the hill mm. and they're like yeah he, he loved to look uh, at the ducks you're like yeah come on like, uh, just i'm like my i'm like no what's wrong with my eyes like, <laughs> it's so fucking sad like you just want to protect kermit the frog at all costs he is the purity of america that we just don't have anymore so bless his heart let's make his son okay scrooge do right by him I swear to god yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Scrooge does do right by him at the end, which is the last scene I have marked down. Did either of you have anything you wanted to touch on before we go to the ending? I just wanted to say that any time that Rizzo and Gonzo fail, 
I got knocked. <laughs> like it should have been done the first twenty minutes. Like okay, we're over this. But I swear, every time they fail, I laughed and I laughed hard. He falls the yeah. one time, and then he just walks through the bars. He's like, yes, it's oh, never yes. not funny. <laughs> when he goes to get his jelly beans, like, he can just walk through the bars. Yeah. Like, it's funny. It is funny. Like, every, th- every failure of theirs, you're totally right, Corey. It, it's, it's funny. It's funny every time, and they keep doing it. And I've watched this movie a hundred times, and I still find it funny. All right, so the ending of this movie, we see Scrooge, he wakes up he, after he sees his his name on the grave, you know, the quintessential Christmas Carol scene. He sees his name in the grave when he's visited by the, the ghost of Christmas. I think, is it always called the ghost of Christmas future? I think it was called the ghost yet of Christmas. Yet to Christ- come, maybe? It's called yeah. the Christmas yet to come in this. And I don't remember it ever being called that other than this I movie. think that's, I think that that is. It, the Dickens? I think that's Dickens. I think okay. it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so I'll, I'll take your word. I, I, the first, they didn't I, have futures back then. I mean, yeah. it was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> all right so he wakes up he gets a second chance as he always does in, in these movies shows up to his nephew fred's house gives him a bunch of food presents and they're very bewildered by him uh i like when he, the the little bunny it was like bob the little bunny that he throws the oh, oh, bean bunny bean bunny bean. yes yes and he gives him like a he just throws a bag at him just to get him get him a turkey and he's so happy this this little bunny who just got ate shit in the beginning from Scrooge and that was just another like just emotional moment it was it was really nice and he shows up at Cratchit's house and he tells him he's gonna p- give him a raise and pay off his mortgage I like there's commentary from from Gonzo and Rizzo and he reveals the fate of Tiny Tim and he, j- he goes and Tiny Tim who did not die <laughs> and that's well is what Rizzo responds with like it's funny <laughs> so yeah this was I mean we I went into this, I've seen many versions of this before, so it wasn't like the ending was a surprise to me, but the way they carried this out and executed it, I, I thought it was really well done. And, you know, I, I've i said many times, this was a very emotional movie for a movie based on puppets. And I think that's that's a credit to the filmmakers here and, and the performances. Gail, what'd you think of the ending? How dear was Michael Caine at the end where he yeah. takes that little scarf made for a Muppet and wraps it around his big human neck and he just <laughs> is so grateful for it and he's grateful to be included and he's grateful to be thought about and it goes both ways like people start thinking about him and he starts thinking about people and it just you I feel like this was the most fulfilling version of a Christmas carol that I've seen. I love Scrooge. I love singing with Bill Murray at the end. I always will. But there's just something very um, satisfying about this ending that I think um, tops the rest. For sure. Corey, what are your thoughts on the ending? I I really enjoy it. It's kind of a a trope in Muppet films where all the Muppets gather. Um, And so I think about like the Muppet movie when all the characters come together or even like a Muppet family Christmas, which is like a TV special from the 80s. But like the fact that not just the dinner took place in the house, but there are people outside the house and there was um, Muppets and humans that were out there. I just really enjoyed that sense of family and community that all Muppet properties promote in their things. It's not like blatant, but it's just when you watch it, you're like everybody like looks out for one another and cares about one another. So I enjoyed they all know all the songs um in unison. Um and so I really <laughs> enjoy, you know, that sense of like 
it allows to even the, from a technical standpoint, all the cast who have been part of the movie to all have one giant scene together. Totally agree. This this movie rolled. I'm glad uh, glad I had a reason to watch it, and I'm glad I checked it off. This is very enjoyable. This might be a staple for for Christmas movies mm-hmm. that I rewatch every year. Really like this a lot. Why don't we move on? According to the internet, not a ton of stuff on the internet about this movie. There's a couple I have here, but a lot of it was about like the puppets and mechanics with the puppets. And you know, a lot a lot of stuff I, I would clearly just sound like I was repeating what I read on the internet. And I I don't know much about that stuff. I don't know if that I'm qualified to talk about it other than just to repeat it. Um, so I'll start off with a casting almost here. We had George Carlin was considered for the role of Scrooge. It would have worked, but it would have been a totally different movie here. I love George Carlin. He was really funny in, in Bill and Ted. Uh, I don't know that he's right here. I'm glad we got Michael Caine. It, was, it would have made for a different interpretation here. Gail, any thoughts on that? I like the casting. I yeah. really like the casting of George Carlin. Um, I don't think it would have been a bad take. I I think, again, like Michael Caine is a nice surprise like I would not have picked him to be my first choice but the way he played this the way he didn't blink on camera the way he just was stoically Ebenezer Scrooge I I I don't think I don't think we could have gotten the same performance from the Muppets if we had had George Carlin yeah I agree Corey any thoughts on that one yeah, I find it interesting because I learned a lot about George Carlin when he passed away. And so I knew him as the conductor on Shining Time Station on PBS. Okay. And so I knew him as like a child figure, but my mom was like, oh, that's a comedian that cusses a lot. And so it would have been very interesting <laughs> to like see like this movie where like kids would have been like, yeah, this is nice little man that like is on a toy train, but parents <laughs> being like, this, I, I watch him like on HBO. And so it would have been interesting to have seen that. Um, that 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 disconnect but i think with michael kane like i said like you said before his his library of films up to that point have been very prestigious and him actually doing this movie like i don't think anybody would have guessed that and so it was a nice surprise of like he's doing it's an artful film it's an artful story but it's more directed towards kids and so i i really liked that that mix um and it worked very well I agree totally. Uh, another, I guess, casting almost you could say technically, but the roles of the ghosts were originally slated to be Muppets. So it was Scooter the Gopher. He was originally supposed to be the ghost of Christmas past, mm. while Miss Piggy was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas present, mm. and Gonzo the ghost of Christmas future. And Brian, this was actually Brian Henson's idea. It was scrapped to capture the more ominous nature of the story. So they put all Scooter the Gopher was completely scrapped from the film. And obviously, they gave Miss Piggy and Gonzo different roles and they, they captured new Muppets for the roles of the ghosts. I think they made the good decision here. Gail, do you, do you think that's an upgrade, downgrade? No, I think th- this was the right decision. I mean, the ethereal ghost of, of Christmas past and then the big jolly man who lives only in the present and quickly vanishes like he was just right and the ghost of the ghost of christmas yet to come was um terrifying as he should be um as he always is so um yeah i i liked the i liked this casting okay Corey. yeah i i I think because we it's a mixture of like familiar muppet characters that we know and then new ones and i think some 
of the Muppets' personalities and what we see them outside of the film match what their characters are. And I think those those ghost moments can be like Mickey's Christmas Carol. They they use Disney care like Goofy and Pete um, for that. Where this I liked, they had new characters because it added another layer. I don't see seriousness, but kind of seriousness to it. Like I'm not if it was Gonzo, I'm waiting for Gonzo to, to do a joke. Um, and so with yeah. this, it's like I don't know what to expect because I don't know these characters. And so I like that we kind of went that route and then the familiar characters that we had we knew that we know they were they played around that uh corey do you have something you want to say yeah i had a, a couple things one i because i watched a youtube video and they pointed out one i did not know that michael kane's real name is not michael kane michael kane's real name is maurice micklewhite what <laughs> sorry what it is, <laughs> yeah, i'm it learning is, things and, today. and wikipedia just co-signed it but his name is maurice <laughs> micklewhite and I knew that I found this out because in the movie, when they walk by one of the shops, it's called like Mickle White's something, but you can see the name <laughs> on the on, on the store. Oh my gosh. And so um, I was, my mind was blown at an age. My mind is blown. It's going to be blown for a while. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> that was one. Um, another one was they had mentioned up to this point, no other movie before had quoted the book, The Christmas Carol, as much as this film. Like Gonzo is is giving actual lines from the okay from the movie. I mean from the book, and so I thought that was um, really interesting too. Because um, I'm not like I, I will admit this. I have not seen Scrooge. It's a movie that I just went to see. Where can I stream it um, to watch? Um, and um, and then the last thing I have is um, there's like some controversy about a scene that was in the original theatrical showing that has been taken out. Um, and there's been a mystery about it. So there's a scene um, with Scrooge and, and his girlfriend, and there's a musical number where she pretty much breaks up with him, and the song is called When Love Is Gone. And apparently, like, the test screeners didn't like it, but Brian Henson did. And so it was in the movie, and then in, like, the VHS copies and in the, the Laserdisc in the 90s, and then it got taken out. And then they pushed to put it back in, but allegedly, like, the, the footage was lost. So they've been thinking that this footage has been lost for a long time. And then it just came out in the last couple of months that they found the footage and come after this podcast release on December 11th, that version will be back on Disney+. Plus. Um, and so it's a scene that's very emotional. There's no Muppets. So that's why they the people didn't like, they took it out because it's just, the two human characters, but it's very emotional because she's singing about leaving Ebenezer and it's a scene where Gonzo is crying. And I think that's where they cut it. So people are like, why is Gonzo so emotional? It's because that scene has been cut out. I'm it's glad a you really lovely was... song too. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you mentioned that it was December 11th because I briefly, I, it was, this is one of those where you should read the article and not just the headline mm -hmm. because it, the, 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 the headline said that Disney to re-release it with this song in it. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I just watched this this morning and it's not on here. And because I did, that's why, that's why we should always read the article. Yeah, I did and, the same thing. I watched it last night and I was like, this must be a scene in here. And where's the right. scene at? And I looked it up and I watched the, the clip on YouTube because I had never seen it before. Um, it's a very, like I said, very emotional and pretty moment. Um, and I think it for is. adults, I think people would be like, we would enjoy it. But maybe they were worried about kids being like, this movie has now gone a different direction that maybe like bring back Gonzo and Rizzo. 
<laughs> yeah, and yeah. the actress at the time was playing Eponine in Les Mis on, on the West End. So, like, she was, like, somebody. She had a voice. So, like, to cut that was super disrespectful. It When I was a kid, it was definitely the one, the one song on my VHS where I would get up and go get a snack or something. But it's it's the song that sticks in my head. And you can hear it. You can hear the theme of it throughout the movie mm-hmm. um, because that's what they do. But, it, um, yeah, it's a lovely song. I'm glad to have it back. Yeah, they said so, they said it plays back at the last song when when he's at the table, and they, and I, yes. I'm like, now it makes watching that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like this song makes sense. You know, putting it back in, it ties to the very end of the movie. Well, now I have a reason to rewatch this movie in in a, in a couple of days. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so the last one I have here, I said I wasn't going to cite any of the stuff I read about the the puppeteering and whatnot, but there was one cool little tidbit that the ghost, the puppet that played the Ghost of Christmas Past, that female puppet, is that like a puppet from the Muppets lore, or was that just somebody created? I don't think she is. No, okay. I think just for the movie. Okay, well, that puppet was actually in a tank underwater, mm-hmm. and up against a green screen, and that's how it makes it look like she's floating. And I thought I just thought that was pretty cool that because mm-hmm. you know it does look like she's floating and. I went back and looked at it. You know, obviously you can't tell that she's underwater, but I just thought that that was a pretty cool little tidbit that even I could understand when they were talking about like a puppet technology and whatnot. I thought that was a cool one here. All right. Why don't we move into trivia? But before we do trivia, we did get a listener question on our Instagram poll that we posted. Uh, This one was from the in a place like this podcast. And they asked us which novel, if any, would you like to see a, adapted with Muppets and for this answer I thought about it a little bit and I came up with all the president's men you know we've seen <laughs> we've seen so many Watergate adaptations I I've I probably see, I've read articles I've read like full books I've, I've seen so many movies you know obviously the all the president's men movie with Robert Redford and Dustin, Hoff- Dustin Hoffman is all-time journalism movie and there was actually a show maybe you maybe you both heard of it or watched it uh, it was on last year called Gaslit about Watergate with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Oh, yeah. I didn't even finish it because I was just like, I've seen, I'm like, yeah. I've seen so many Watergate uh, IP. There's another show premiering later in the year with called The White House Plumbers with Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux that oh. you know, focuses on Watergate again. And Lena Headey is in that too. And I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to watch it. But okay, am I going to learn anything? Probably not. You know, maybe I'd pay more attention if we had Muppets in, in the Watergate. You know, if we, if we I had... love that. Do we make like Sam the Eagle deep throat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have. I, I should have uh, cast. I should have cast. Should have cast it. Booty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, in uh, you know, in my lengthy thinking, and my lengthy thinking. I mean, when I was like walking in my car, I, I came up with all the presidents' men would be a, a good Muppets a good adaptation. One. Uh, Gail, did you have an answer for this one? Yeah, I want to see straight up Lord of the Flies. I want to see yes. who lives, who dies, who eats who. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'd say Battle Royale, but that gets a little dark. So let's not. <laughs> let's go with just Lord of the Flies. <laughs> do you go with the low-hanging fruit of Miss Piggy playing Piggy? I feel like you do have to. Yeah, like it's an easy. I mean, that's the whole reason behind it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, what say you? Yeah, I, I think about like literary oh. classics. I'm like, gosh, everything's so dark. Um, but I thought about right. the one that came to mind is The Great Gatsby. 
Okay. <laughs> so fun. There's a lot of partying in that. So, I mean, it's a lot of darkness in that too, but I think there's a lot of opportunity um, within that movie, which I feel like maybe Muppets Most Wanted might hit on some of that too in some ways. But, um, but yeah, I would go with Great Gatsby. Okay. All That's right, a good one. I would see all three of these movies. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I want to see the Muppets in the Roaring Twenties. How fun would that be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. So, if they're listening to us, you know, yeah, our DMs on, are open. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, the trivia question here that I came up with we, in doing research for this, I was like looking at various Christmas movies, and there's a lot of Christmas movies. So, I kind of think you know where I'm going with this one. We're going to do four real, one is fake. And Christmas movie edition. So there's, these are some out there Christmas movies that I had never heard of prior to coming up with this question. So four of them are real. One is fake. I'm going to give you, I'll give you the date. And if there's a star in them, I'll, I'll tell you that as well. And the synopsis. All right. So Gail, you can get the first crack of this and Corey can go up second. First up, The Year Without a Santa Claus. This is from 2006. Stars John Goodman in the title role. And the chaos that ensues when Santa Claus decides to take a year off from delivering presents. He just says, you know, I'm tired. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a little vacation on Christmas. So no Santa, this is the year without a Santa Claus, John Goodman. Number two, rare exports, a Christmas tale. This is from 2010. This is about a group of archeologists as they attempt to dig up the remains of Santa Claus. This movie has the tagline this Christmas everyone will believe in santa next up <laughs> you know it, it writes itself samantha yes. claus from 2011 this is focused on santa's sister played by anna paquin and she is forced to deliver all of the christmas presents after santa and mrs claus are involved in a sled accident then we have santa claus conquers the martians this is from 1964 and the synopsis is a group of Martians kidnap Santa because Mars has nobody to give their kids presents. It's pretty sad. I guess they need a Santa. So, you know, e equality for Mars, I guess is the theme of this movie. Then the last up, we have Holiday in Handcuffs. This is from 2006. It stars Melissa Joan Hart playing a struggling artist who kidnaps one of her customers played by Mario Lopez That's Slater there. So he can meet her parents during the holidays. It's the synopsis I got, or is it uh, just sounds, sounds a little wacky. Um, but yeah, those are the, those are the five movies. One is fake. Gail, what do you think it is? Um, so I have seen several Melissa Joan Hart Christmas films. Um, don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> but I have also seen some other films in this list. So I think I'm going to go with the fake one being Samantha Claus. Okay. Corey? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm aware of at least three of these. <laughs> real. You guys were ahead um, of but, me then. Um, yeah, I don't. I will also go with Samantha Claus. All right, this wasn't my, I guess this wasn't my uh, my most clever fake movie. Because, yeah, you both got it. Good job. Those, oh, those... have you never seen Santa Claus versus the Martians? No, sadly, 
Sadly, not. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, Dave. It <laughs> is a we'll, bad movie. But Rift we'll Tracks does it. The Mystery of Science 3000. It's bad. Yeah. So if you want to watch it, watch it Rift. It's very good. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll put that. Yeah. I'll see if it's streaming anywhere. I, I, it, it's early. Classic. So I still got to watch some Christmas movies. All right. So good job, both of you. All right. Oh, oh just quickly. Yeah, sorry. Sure. Speaking of scre- uh, streaming, Scrooge is streaming on um, Prime, Corey. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to need to that too. So that's that's good. All right, cool. Good to know. All right. Awards time here. Sixth man of the movie. I guess there were, for me, this was a a two two person or two Muppet race. Uh, It was between Gonzo and Kermit. And ultimately, I went with Gonzo. I just thought he, he was he was really funny. You know, Gail, you mentioned the opening scene where he's, he's like, I'm Charles Dickens. And Russell's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and it's just he kind of plays it straight, but he's also really funny at the same time. It's like it's a good balance there. You know, he's keeping you up with the story. And it's just gives you that familiarity with both the Muppets and A Christmas Carol story and very tough to do. And I, I credit Brian Henson for that. And just. I thought it staple of the Muppets in general and th- this movie, really great part of this movie. So I went with Gonzo for six man or six Muppet, whatever you want to call for, <laughs> for this award. Gonzo was my choice. Gail, how about you? Yeah, it's also Gonzo. It, he, he is the one that makes this movie. I think um, if it were even any other Muppet, I don't think it would have been as charming. Um, It could have been Kermit, right? As Charles Dickens. And it would have been lovely and Kermit would have had his own little jokes. But I think Gonzo's cynicism and also innocence and sweetness. Like, I just think that Gonzo was the perfect Muppet to have in that role. Totally agree. Corey? I was going back and forth. And I think I'll agree with you all with Gonzo because I was talking about Rizzo for for a moment. But Rizzo was like, he was like the audience, like the person that was watching the movie. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what what's going on? Where Gonzo was kind of in and out of it. Like, he's playing Charles Dickens. He's telling the story, but he's also aware. Like, yeah, we we know we're in a movie. Like, we, we I know it's also going on, but, but but play the part. Like, you know, like let's play the part. And so I did. I I like the fact that you know he's our he's our gateway into this world. He's the one. It's like we'll take you. I'll take you with you know. Uh, I'll take you all with me um, as we go through. And so, um, so yes, I agree with, with Gonzo being the sixth Muppet. All right. So we are unanimous there. I don't know if we're going to be unanimous on MVP. I feel like we might be. This was one of the easier ones for me. I went, I went Michael Caine. I didn't really have like a option two. I just thought he was like, like I said, I, I was near tears at a Muppet movie and it, it was due to, it was due to Michael Caine. So I, this is, I don't really have any, we kind of talked about him a lot. I don't really have anything wacky to add here uh yeah michael kane is my mvp of the movie as as scrooge gail yeah i mean i gotta go with michael kane too um he he played such a great scrooge even if there weren't muppets surrounding him um it's michael kane um i think for me the only person that could be in the running other than Michael Caine would be the um, the songwriter would be Paul Williams. Cause I think that mm. a lot of the touching moments were from the music. And I think that um, a lot of the rewatchability is because of the music. And I'm not somebody like, I love musicals. I love musicals, but I also like, like, I don't just love music. You know, I don't just love stories that are musicals. Like I, it has to be a solid 
a solid tale. And I think that, um, I think that this definitely is because obviously it's Dickens. So, you know, hidden gem, Charles Dickens. But um, if I weren't to go with Michael Caine, I would have gone with, with the composer. Okay. Corey. Yeah. I, I have to, <laughs> once again, yeah. three for three, um, Michael Caine. Um, I, like I said, to watch this movie where there's not many humans and you're surrounded by Muppets and to captivate the scene, every scene you're in, um, it, it is pretty incredible. And like I said, while I haven't seen Scrooge, I've seen a lot of Christmas movies. And I mean, when I think about my top three Scrooges, it's between him, Scrooge McDuck, and the Scrooge from the Honey Nut Cheerios commercial back in the day. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a good Scrooge, that's though. a good Scrooge. Only 30 seconds, yeah. but he's great. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but no, like... like like I said, as a, just to watch this movie, and we we know the story, but there's a sense of meanness, there's a sense of like sadness, there's a sense of heart. You see this journey of this man, um, and um, it's a great it's a great role to be in. That's what I'm saying. Like, where was his Oscar? Like, give this man his Oscar, mm-hmm. for right? Too. All right, so we're double unanimous. I'll get I have to get a little creative on the gram there. There was really like for MVP, there was definitely. Like, like you said, Gal, it could have been the composer, but it was my, Michael Caine is just so, so great yeah. in this role. And, and I think he's, is he, oh, well, Fred, Fred and his family or the other humans, but not, not really in it enough to qualify, I don't think. Can I ask a question for you two? Absolutely. Is, is there a Muppet or Muppets that you wish was in the movie that wasn't or in it more? Because um, for me, mm. I like some more Fozzie Bear. Um, I enjoy when he was there, but he's not like when you look at the poster, it's like, oh, Fozzie's in the movie, but he's not, he's only in one scene. Um, and so I would have enjoyed to have seen um, more of Fozzie, but is there a Muppet that you wish would have been in the movie or had more screen time? You had the name of the, what was the name of the bunny? Bean Bunny. Bean, Bean Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> I could have I used like maybe like two more scenes with, with Bean Bunny. I thought, thought he was pretty, thought he was pretty yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah, I I love um like I know he's good in small doses, but just a little bit more of the Swedish chef would have been nice too because <laughs> he's always so entertaining. And if he, you know, if he was chopping up chickens and Gonzo was watching, there could have been some <laughs> drama. Like would have liked that. All right, good good question there, Corey. I have a question for you now, Corey. What's something good you watched this week? So I'll keep with the the Christmas theme of things, and so I'll give you three quick Christmas things that are new. Um, okay. One being the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. A very, very charming, um, very funny, actually kind of emotional at the end story, all wrapped in like 30 minutes. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed more time with Mantis um, and Drax. Um, yeah. So I really en- I enjoyed that special. Another um, streaming thing that just came out was A Christmas Story Christmas. Um, okay. It's on HBO Max. It is a sequel to the 1983 A Christmas Story. Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, is back um, playing adult Ralphie. He has a, um, a wife and kids who go back home to um, for Christmas after the death of the, fa- the old man, the father. Um, and the kids, all the kid characters in the first movie are back in this one. The brother is back. Um, but for a movie that shouldn't work, it's very, it's very good. It's very, um, very well done. Good story. It's funny. Um, where it needs to be, it has heart. Um, and so I was very, it's not better than a Christmas story, but for it to be a successor, very good. 
Um, and my last thing was I was able to go see um, the new Die Hard meets Home Alone film, Violent Night. Um, oh, okay. With David Harbour playing Santa Claus, who has to rescue a family who are being held hostage. Um, it's literally, if you like Die Hard, if you like Home Alone, it's basically, <laughs> is it, that. Um, it shows you what would happen in real life if someone was to fall into one of Kevin's traps. Um, and it's kind of <laughs> makes you squeamish. Um, but it's it's a hard R movie, so it's not gonna be for everybody. But the music throughout is this light Christmas music, so it's like Home Alone score, John Williams, oh, amidst the you know, diehard violence. Um, that's oh my there. god, so, so fun! Um, John Leguizamo, who was also in the menu, being great, is yep. great in this movie. Barry D'Angelo, who's from the vacation film, yeah, okay. um, is in it um, playing the matriarch. Um, it is a it's a really enjoyable, like popcorn action pack. Like it's nothing deep. It's no kind of forever. Um, it may not be Avatar. If you was like, I just want to see violence and action and Christmas cheer, Violent Night's great. I got to kind of prioritize this because you're like the fourth or fifth person I've heard say like nothing but great things about this movie. And, you know, David Harbour is like a real, really fun actor to watch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most known for Stranger Things at this point. But yeah, really, really good reviews on this one. So I need to say I'm glad you liked it too. Gail, what's something good you watched this week? Um, so I, I haven't watched it this week, but I did watch it was, um, it, and it's funny because you mentioned Violent Night and how it's like, um, Die Hard meets Home Alone, but there is a horror Christmas movie about a babysitter where they kind of home alone somebody. Um, and it, it shows like a paint can to the face. Um, and it's dreadful and terrifying and it's called Better Watch Out. And so I highly recommend that as like a Christmas horror movie. Um, but another one that I watched this week, well, again, I don't think it was this week, was um, th- this week has gotten away from me, but um, Terrifier 2. And I oh, don't know whoa. if this is the right crowd, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know who to recommend Terrifier and Terrifier 2 to, but um Art the Clown is really funny. Like, and in Terrifier 2, he's really funny. And people call it the most gory, graphic, disgusting. You're going to throw up and pass out and come all at the same time. And that's not true. You're not going to do all three of them. You might do one, but don't tell me which one. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's, a really, it's a really fun movie. It's very gritty. It's um, very Sam Raimi. It's got a lot of practical effects. Like, it's super fun so i i highly recommend it if you are into that if you're not into it don't watch it you won't like it um but if you are then then i will watch it and then a tv show i've been watching is um dark so i watched season one and two um a while ago but i forgot everything so when season three came out i was like i have to rewatch one and two to catch up because i don't know if either of you have seen dark um it's very confusing and there's a lot of plot and um, German, right? So you, yeah, it's very German okay. and everybody is everybody and everybody is somebody's grandfather and their own grandfather. And it's just this whole big thing. <laughs> and um, it's very good. And I would compare it to the leftovers in the impact that it has. And I haven't finished it yet. So I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's, it's a really profound show so i do highly recommend it even though you will probably have to watch it a couple of times to grab it so there's a new show out 1899 that's like a sequel or a prequel and i don't even know if it is or if it's just 
the same in the universe, universe, the same director. Yeah, I'm okay. not sure, but um, I, I see similar actors, so I'm not I, I'm not 100. But that is what got me. Those reminded me to do this rewatch. Okay, all right. So dark. I've been recommend. That's been recommended a, a few times, and it, it's three seasons. It's only three seasons, but I'm telling you, it is a heavy, heavy three seasons. Like you cannot binge this show. It's impossible. Okay. Right. Braver right. people probably can, but I'm tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll go double movie. Uh, I got, I got to the theater and I was fortunate to see during the week that it was in, I got to see Glass Onion, the new uh, Knives Out, the Knives Out sequel. Ooh. Yeah. You saw it too, Corey? No, I said jealous. I have to wait till Netflix. Okay. I, I don't get this whole strategy. They've left so much money on the table by leaving it in the theaters for a week. I, I don't know what the movie industry is anymore, but it fortunately I, I did get the time to go see it. And this was uh, Daniel Craig. This, he was, the, he's the connect, connective tissue between this and knives out this centered on uh, just basically mocking rich people. This was rich people who converge on an Island, lifelong friends, who do a, a fake murder mystery that turns into a real one. The friends are played by Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, uh, really stacked cast, like as was the first one. And I won't give away too much. I don't want to spoil anything because most people haven't got a chance to see it yet, but I believe December 23rd is when it comes back to Netflix. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken there. So it, it was very good. And this, this franchise, I said after, I was this has the potential to be an all timer because there's, I believe there's already like two sign, Ryan Johnson signed on for two more, if, if I'm not mistaken there. So there, there was at least that many coming. So we're gonna get Daniel Craig in more movies with an ensemble of, of big names ahead of him. I neither of you have seen this. I'm I'm guessing. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, not all right, So I want. I won't divulge too much into it, but I, I recommend we can circle back to it after the, after the 23rd. I I'll do other than I'll just say it was very good and it was just as good, if not better than the original. And then I also got to the theater again and I saw bones and all, and this was the new Luca Guadagnino movie with Timothy Chalamet. And uh, why did I forget her name? I had it written down. Uh, Taylor Russell, who I was not too familiar with. This was the first time I saw her. I know she was in a movie Waves, another A24 that was from yeah. 2019. That okay, she was, good Corey, that. was that good? Yep, she was good in that. Okay, all right. That one is is on. It's been on the list for a while, and I probably should move it higher up. Uh, this was a love story about two cannibals, and you know that's you know that might turn people off right away. I know I couldn't get my mom to go see this in the theaters with me for for that reason, uh, but it was very. Very well done. I thought Mark Rylance is in this and he's super creepy. And uh, Michael Stuhlbarg in this also, these guys are just having the time of their lives playing these like completely creepy shitholes. And I won't give too much away about this one either, but it was just, it was very, very beautifully shot. Um, and it was, it was a love story. There was, there are some scenes that were kind of tough hangs. I, I did kind of, grab the this the armrest on my, my chair a couple of times and dig my nails in but other other it's not like anything that's going to gross you out long term there, there's just a couple like oh boy scenes and then this movie uh i'm guessing did either of you see this or is it on your radar 
I I mm-hmm. haven't, and I've seen I've seen a lot of horror. Like I agree that this year with horror films have been great. So um, good. Yeah, yeah. The cannibalism. That's like my one. Like <laughs> I that at home in the daytime. Like a fast forward. I can watch Ghostface mm-hmm. or Smile or anything like that. But cannibalism is where I kind of like draw a line. But I've heard nothing but great things about it, so I definitely will probably check it out when it hits streaming. And some of the cannibalism, it, it just sneaks up on you. Like I was, if you're going into this movie, oh. you know what you know what you're getting into, but you don't know when it's coming. And some of like the brutality just comes like very suddenly, and you're like, oh boy, I saw this in at, like eh, three quarter full theater, and it, yeah, you, you heard a lot of like at, at a couple scenes. Oh, how fun though! Yeah, like yeah. that's a fun experience. Yeah, For sure. but yeah, I recommend this movie with just the. The pretext that it, there are some scenes that might make you a little squeamish, if, mm. and understandably, and it, they did that for me. Corey, where can we follow you at? Sure, you can follow me on Instagram at ckevinb84, and you can follow me on Twitter at ckb84. Cool, Gail. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at it is that one broad. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Descent of a Woman. Very cool. Uh, you can find me at DDEM2000. I am that handle across the board, Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter. We have an Instagram and Twitter for this show as well. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. Give us a follow there if you want to talk about this movie or any other movie or show with myself, Gail, or Corey, or many other great people. Join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group. Type that into a group search. We are the red cover photo. We're going to keep on with these Christmas movies for the next two weeks. Following, well, maybe maybe not, depending on your perspective. Next week, we're going to be doing Die Hard. And then in two weeks, oh, we're going to be... Oh, controversial. Yeah, I know. Let the internet erupt. <laughs> oh, no, they're going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, that's not a Christmas movie. And then we're going <laughs> to close it out with, we're going to be doing Scrooged. So, Corey, maybe I'll give you a reason to crack into that one. It is. Yep. It's streaming on... Oh, you, Gail, you already mentioned Prime. Prime. On Prime. I think it's also on um, Paramount Plus. So, okay. yeah, it's oh, around. So it's around. Good. Even if we weren't covering a Corey, I recommend it because it's really great Bill Murray performance and just good, ad- good, ad- good adaptation. Uh, so looking forward to covering both of those, whether or not you think they're Christmas movies or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Gail, Corey, thanks so much for joining me tonight. This was great talking with both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Dave. Of course. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you all next time. Night, everyone. Mm-hmm.